learning about the Maggid of Mezrich, uh, Dove Bear of Mezrich. He was an 18th century uh, Polish Hasidic master. He was on the, in the lineage of the Baal Shem Tov. Um, he taught a lot of things, but one of, the, one of his introductions to before you learn his materials, he gives you a sort of baseline for how you should live, some principles about how you should live. Um, and these are 15 of them that he gave. We started last week with number one and two. Um, today we're going to cover three, four, five, and six. Um, and you can, you can jump in and out of this. Every one of these on its own would be helpful for your life. So if you miss next time, it's not the biggest deal. And if you want to continue from here, you'll be great. So I'll recap the last ones. The way we structure our sessions, I've structured the sessions, is I try to spend 20 minutes or about 20 to 30 minutes discussing the material. Um, and this time we're going to spend some of that time unpacking um, if any of us had tried it out from last time and what that experience was like, um, then we'll sit for 20 minutes. Um, and as opposed to the session I did on Yom Kippur, where I was sort of walking us through really giving a lot of instruction in here. Hi, come on in. Um, there are seats back there. As opposed to giving a, a, a lot of, of instruction and a lot of feedback, I give, I'm going to give a lot less feedback. I'll give some prompts to sort of check where you're at, to come back. But uh, during Yom Kippur, I was, giving, I was giving those prompts probably every two minutes. Here, you're not going to have that as much. So you're, you're sort of jumping into deeper water here um, in terms of the meditation. Okay, so last week, um, in number one and two, the 15 steps towards, uh, what I'm calling this is 15 steps towards awareness. Um, and his language, I'm using, I'm using awareness in the sense, I'm, my definition of getting closer to God is being aware of the present moment and being in touch with my best sense of self. Um, and beyond myself. So my experience, in my experience, when I'm able to do that, when I'm able to be connected to the now, to the people in front of me, to the situation around me, that's my most godly potential coming out. I'm actually tapping into the divine in that moment. So when I read the Maggid of Mezrich and I'm, and I'm bringing forward this teaching, I'm trying to do as much justice as I can to what he his vision was, but I'm also layering on, on top of that my own understanding and, and Rabbi Jeff Roth's understanding, my teacher, of, of what might, how mindfulness is, is connecting us to God with the principle, general principle that everything is God and nothing but God. Um, and so my whole goal with this practice and with all of my practices is to get closer to what I think is my best sense of self, which I think is, brings me closer to God. And, uh, and we have this Jewish tradition that brings us all these ways to live our life in a mindful way. If we actually practice the Judaism, we can use it in a way that um, will help us get closer to that goal of being closer to God in every way. So the first step, he says, wake up in the morning and awake with gratitude. Awake with gratitude for the fact that your body has now been re-insold. The fact that you have this now ability to be connected to a, com a compassionate sense of awake of wakefulness and to uh, and to God, because without your soul, you really you're just a bo your body, um, and you can't really do that connecting piece. He says, please try this, and this is, we'll spend some time just talking about this before we launch forward, but he's, what, I, what we talked about last week is the opportunity to spend time upon waking, and whether that be when you first hear that lawnmower fire up. Um, <laughs> he's been on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
or or whether that's your alarm clock or whether that's your dog or the kids or just some people just wake up without any of those things to just wake up um, and so and to take the, that those first few breaths those first few moments and try to welcome each one of your senses w- uh, with a godliness uh, welcome it welcome it and, and invite it to be godly invite it to be mindful so how does that work I, before I even open my eyes the, the senses that I have I have the sense my sense of touch where where I'm physically laying the warmth or the, the blanket or or the lack of the warmth I don't know whatever it is I'm, I'm, I'm inviting that in and I'm and we can even do it right now in our seat you can feel your bottom being supported maybe your back you can invite it in to say let this let that sense that I'm feeling connect me to God more fully just invite it invite it to be a helper for you because we have this sense of body without paying attention to what's going on in our body we're not going to be able to reach upper higher levels we're just not you have you have to your body is like a it's like a pitchfork it's tunes it's you tunes you into the world you're attuned to it it helps you with with your sense your motion your everything so now i've got my sense of feeling now i can start to listen my sense of hearing what do i hear I hear this i hear a whir in the background i hear Maybe it's a copy machine, maybe it's an AC. I don't know what that is, but I can hear pens on paper. Last time we were here, we could hear a very loud moving of something outside, behind us, outside. You're gonna be able to hear, maybe you hear yourself breathe. Maybe you hear the birds chirping when you wake up in the morning, whatever it is, I don't know. Every time it's a new experience, you're going to invite that to be something that's going to help you in the mindful process. And so forth with, with sight and smell and all the rest of your sight, your, your sort of senses. And that's, that, that on its own should draw you to have a sense of gratitude and also ground you in your senses in a mindful way from, from the morning. Did any, so if anybody tried that um, from last week, uh, Now's a great time to share how that, if, you, if you're comfortable, share how that, how that impacted you. I didn't do that exactly. Okay. I, I did what I always do, which is to say, Morani, mm-hmm. and then on some more prayers, including the Shema, um, to focus on Hashem. Mm-hmm. I was saying all that. Okay. Anybody try the inviting the senses piece? It's hard to remember to do. I yeah, did. you did. You did it. I yeah, did. you did it. Yeah. It was good because it, it, like you said, it brought me to an awareness. And had some challenge. And the second point you mentioned was being directed without thoughts. And like, if you got went to a place that was caused you worry or made you unpleasant. You're saying go to a place, you use the word fantasy, but a place that brings joy to you. So I had challenges at work so I could reflect on the teaching so that I could go back and execute the principles. So it was really helpful for me. So starting out in the morning, allowing my senses to be engaged in God's presence really helped me to deal with what I had to deal with for the week. So it helped me a lot. Okay, mm. thank you. Others? Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Yes. Any others before we move forward? Okay, so that's the first one. That's the first one. You can, if you have come up with something later, you can share again. I have time. Um, the second is watch your thoughts. Be mindful. Oversee your thoughts. The hashkiach. Mashkiach is like the person who watches over. You're supposed to watch over your thoughts and notice them. Really notice them. And don't try to ignore thoughts. It's saying it's not. It's saying you know. Notice your. You, maybe you're going to have unpleasant thoughts. Maybe you're going to have thoughts that are totally foreign to you. You're not proud of. You didn't invite into your life. 
notice that and use and pay attention to it. And if there are painful thoughts in there, you know, you're not, we're not trying to hurt ourselves, but if we have a painful thought, try to bring some compassion to it. Notice where that takes you. And that, that noticing of that thought is actually takes you from a sense of pain to a sense of freedom because you're not pushing out um, you're not pushing out your what's naturally already happening. You're not trying to bury it. And then he gave this really nice uh, this nice analogy of a stone, of a beautiful stone that um, that is shining and glimmering, and, and I, that which is your soul, that gets caked over in all this impurity. Um, and gets lost and caked over in his impurity and some wise person finds that stone um, and starts to wipe away the dirt and everybody who has never seen the full shine of that stone is really enamored with how it starts to glint through the dirt. But the owner of the soul, the person who knows what it, might, what, what it was like to really be in the purest of state is never really going to be satisfied until it actually comes through and gets totally cleaned off. Um, and that's, I think he's using that as a, as a, as a analogy or a metaphor for what we are trying to do, which when, when we realize, when we come to that moment of really being aware and awake and connected, uh, we know what that feels like and we're always trying to get back to that place. A lot of us in our, even, I know for myself, I have a, like a childhood feeling of what it was like to really pray fully. I was like, with everything. You know, to really sing it out. Um, it's hard to do that now as an adult, just because, I don't know, just because. So now, so we're trying to get back to that place of really being able to connect fully. Um, okay, so that's number one and two. Number three. This is new material for this week. Number three is Uh, before I get into number three, in number two, he, he, he warns us that if we try to deny what's going on in our heart, then it's going to be a big barrier for us moving forward. We can't deny it. We have to look at it. We have to look at the painful things. We have to look at those thoughts that maybe we didn't want or ask for, but that are there. Um, and you don't, have to t- you don't have to like take responsibility for them. They're just thoughts. Um, that's, that's something that as we practice mindfulness, as I practice mindfulness, I've noticed that I've, I identify less and less with those thoughts. They're just thoughts. They're not, I didn't will them. My brain is the thinking machine. It's thinking all the time, just like my heart is a beating machine. It's beating all the time. I want it to continue doing that, but I want to notice what it's doing because it can pull me in one direction or, or another, which is, is actually related to the next piece which he says, connect daily. Connect daily for him, number three, is connect daily. Take time alone. Take time alone to be with God, to be with your thoughts, to, be, to notice, to just check in with yourself. And I think this is important, I think, because... Karen talked to us one week about how important it is to take um, retreats and how the, and the depth that you can achieve in a retreat, um, which is true. It's like you brush your teeth every single day, but you've got to go to get that deep clean um, because there's no way you can do what the dentist can do, what the, what the hygienist can do. Uh, the deep clean is, is, is that, is, is those retreats. But if you didn't brush your teeth every day, the deep clean is not going to help you very much at the end. Um, so we want what we're trying to do is is get into this daily mode. And he says the reason we try to do that, we're trying to meditate every day, we're trying to connect every day, whatever it is that you do that helps you do that every day. It, it doesn't even need to be a long time. It just needs to be five minutes. But the dailiness of it actually sets you up for success. And here he says, you want to do that? until the point where the sense of 
connectedness that you've cultivated in that really short five-minute period starts to pervade your day. That's the goal. We're not just trying to be good at you know, taking time away. We're not just trying to be good at sitting here, or following our breath, whatever we're going to do. We're doing it because I, what, you wanna, what you want to ultimately happen is that when you're, even when you're speaking with people, that sense of calm or that sense of connectedness to God that you've cultivated is going to be with you in that moment. So he, I think he purposely says talking to people because I think that's probably the most difficult way that we have in our, in our lives, that I have in my life, certainly. It's not a big deal when I'm just in front of my computer screen, but the second there are people involved, all kinds of things start arising. So connect daily. And we're trying to engage this sense of mindfulness because we're trying to ingrain it in the, in, throughout our lives, wherever we go. All of this is, is for that. I love to see him saying this because now it's not just me. It's a very wise man from hundreds of years ago. Number four, pray. <laughs> pray each day. Every day. And if you don't have time to do that, Say at least even one blessing. And do it with, like, with meaning. Like, be, mean it. So that, may, that could be, you know, before you sit down to breakfast or you, before you take a sip of coffee. It doesn't need to be in the morning. It could be throughout the day, but the morning is, is really the best. But be grateful for that. If you're not going to pray... Say, you know, say thank you for the, the fact that you can drink this warm cup of coffee that get that caffeine in you. It's going to take the edge off of the day. Just take, there, there's some people who their whole mindfulness for the entire day is sitting with their cup of tea or their cup of coffee in the morning. Like, they just take those 10 minutes, they drink it, they really notice the smell, the feeling, the warmth, the, the way that it warms their entire body up, the way that the caffeine starts to like open their eyes, how they start to see the world differently. You can do mindfulness over your cup of tea completely. But what he's saying to add to that is before you take part of that tea, say, thank you, God, for this. Or before you eat your lunch or you know, after you've gone to the restroom, to say thank you that that works, that my body is working. Um, there's so many different ways, and we can, if you want suggestions of how to infuse those into your day, I'm happy to give you a list of 100 of them. Um, or just one, whichever one, you know, whatever it is. But there's a lot of those. So pray. That's number four. Do you assume that he's referring to the three prayers or three services we're supposed to do daily? Or? Um, probably. Yeah, but he... It's interesting, though, because he you says... You need You're supposed to do 100 every day. But he said... But he says... He's not saying play, pray three times a day. He's not saying specifically what prayers. He just says pray. So for me, that could even mean... Wow, that's a relief. <laughs> that, for me that could even mean saying help it's a mitzvah it's a, it's a commandment for us to say to God help me when I need help when I feel overwhelmed and that doesn't need to be like physical danger or it could be emotional it could be I'm overwhelmed I need some help carry me now please Are we joining? This is, this is not. It is? This is it. We're not doing meditation in here. Are we? We are. We are. We are. We are. Sit here. Come on in. Where? I can do here. No, no, I mean, where are you going to do that? Hi. Hi. I was on mindfulness meeting, and at Bethy Shurn, there's another class. Oh, good. Thanks for, thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so it could be even to say, I'm overwhelmed right now, God. 
take over for me. Help me. I'm trying to do all this myself, but I don't have this, the strength to, to handle this right now. Please help me. It could be even as much as that. That's a mitzvah. And there's no magic formula for that one. There's no magic words. It doesn't need to be in Hebrew. Just say it. Use that moment of overwhelmed to elevate. Number five. Learn. Learn every day. Set times to learn every day. And what he's talking about here is, is you know, the Tanakh. He's talking about the Torah, Torah, Nevim, Tuvim, the prophets, the writings. Um, or Mishnah, which is Jewish law. And he wants you to sort of set time to learn how to live your life ethically. He wants you to set time to learn the, the base of Jewish law so that you can infuse that into your day. I'm a rabbi, so, you know, <laughs> I agree. But, but I think the most important piece of this is set times to learn ways of being better in the world. And if you don't know where to turn for that kind of material, go back to the source Go back to the Bible, go back to those pieces. The Mishnah is translated completely. It takes two years to learn it through if you're doing three chapters a day. Um, and he says, that if you have more time than that, do some introspection. But now he gets into something that I think is really interesting and sort of an aside and, a, and almost a throwaway point, but he really says he, it's sort of interesting when somebody throws in a lesson at the end of a, of a teaching, it makes you wonder whether that was the whole purpose of the teaching, because it's like the conclusion. So here he says, and don't talk too much to people who don't have a sense of connectedness. And then he says, because it, it sort of derails you. Is there something interesting about that and that can be really challenging with all kinds of family dynamic and you know friends and work and all these things that you don't have really a choice about but I thought it was interesting because there's I found this to be really true in my life that the company I keep really is a reflection of who I am you know in a huge way and that and the people I surround myself with those I sort of start to take on their tendencies, and you can see it in kids. You see their, the, the phrases they use, and the th it's because of their friends. All of a sudden, where did you learn that? Oh, Billy on the, you know, Billy said it. <coughs> Whatever it is, we start to sort of gain, we gain energy from each other. We're sort of these, like, we're very sensitive. Our bodies, our minds, we're sensitive to each other, people who are around us. Um, in that way, it's really important that we notice even if we just took this to say and start noticing the people around you and, and how they're acting, and do you want to be like that? Do you want to emulate that? Um, even that would be a good step to just start to, to notice. Who, who am I talking to? Who am I spending most of my time talking to um, and surrounding myself with? And could I do better? Are there people I wish I spent more time with? You know, are there people that I'm sort of a little more distant from, but really love that person. They really, they, they elevate me when I talk to them. Can you um, translate what that sentence again, the last one, stay away from people who... Don't speak too much. Don't speak too much with people that don't have a sense of connectedness with God. Is what he, that's a literal translation of it. Um, and I'm translating that a little bit more broadly to say people who are not really attuned to their surroundings or who are you know, um, not energetically where you're, where you want to be. And that process can be very difficult. That process is not to be under, like underestimated in terms of the difficulty of it and sort of pulling away from long time relationships, maybe even, or family even. Um, that one's not an easy one. Um, what was yours? You said, he said it, it 
connection with God, and you're interpreting or translating it to be also... To be also people, like just aware, awareness, people who are unaware of the impact they have on the world around them. It sounds to me as though he's saying, don't <clears throat> suffer fools. Don't suffer fools. Don't spend too much time talking to them. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then this, the sixth... And we're going to stop after this one. We're going to sit. I'm like, I feel like I'm overloading information, but we said five sessions, and there's 15 of these, so. <laughs> six. Number six is, this one I think is really important, and this is going to directly connect to the way we're going to sit today, which is when you have a foreign thought, when you have some kind of thought come in that you just not really sure where that one came from. Or, even worse, you'll start to notice something that you've noticed that kind of thinking your whole life. And all of a sudden, you've now noticed a, maybe a really painful way that you relate to yourself. Um, you've noticed that foreign thought. Immediately seek its source. Immediately. Some weird thing comes in your head. You notice it. That's a really good step. Now go for its source. You're like, where did that come from? Where did that come from? And then for me, I go to my body. Instantly, I like, that's my, that's my training. I go straight to my body. Where did that come from in my body? And I'll notice, oh, I have this little pit in my stomach. Some people feel it. Oh, I feel, oh that came from my, my shoulder. I hear tightness in my shoulder. Or, oh, my low back, I feel that. Oh, my sciatic, mm. I've had that, too. And it can be, it shifts, it shifts, yeah. But is that where it came from, or is that what it's then affecting? It's, that's a tricky part to notice. So you'll have to start to notice that. Um, but for me, it's a cue to go back to my body. Okay. From the body, do you go back to whatever it was that... No. I try, I, so I'll go straight... The opposite I go, what you, you just said. You have a from body. From my body, from the pain in my back or the pain in my neck, I think about what, what, what why is this that? Where What's this pain in my neck <laughs> coming from? Right. So it could be for you that you're more attuned to your body and less in your head. I'm more in my head and less mm -hmm. in my body. Mm -hmm. So I have to go back to my body. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have to just sit with it and be compassionate with that part of my body. But it, it's really important that you don't wait, that you don't push it off, that you do that piece immediately. Um, and he says, don't let it spread. Just don't let it, like, if it's a, the kind of thought that starts to rile you up or get you angry or whatever it is, and you start to notice that thought, track it and don't let it spread to the rest of your body. Don't let it spread to all your avarim, your, all, all your parts of your body. Which brings me to what we'll, we'll sit today. Um, I think that last piece was really important because, and all of these are really cues. They're sort of, when we're mindless, when we're sort of take those steps, uh, when we start to notice foreign thoughts come in, uh, it's, like the, it's like when we're just, when we're, doing mindfulness, we're just sitting, we're just watching our breath. We're not doing, that's it. We're not trying to think about our groceries for later or what's happening in the World Series or you know, what we said to somebody today, how we, how, what they said to us, how we might respond differently in the future. You know, we're just following our breath. But we're going to notice, and this happens to all of us, is that some t somehow, some way, in the middle of that time, of this very pretty, I mean, not short, but not a crazy long session, 20 minutes is, is right in the middle. Now, somewhere in the middle of there, maybe 10 times, maybe 100 times, you're going to notice, oh my gosh, I'm starting to think about that thing I have to do later, and I'm totally not focused on my breath anymore. That moment is a gift. It's a huge gift because then from that moment of awareness of that you're not where you wanted to be, you now can bring yourself back to where you wanted to be. Um, so in this way, the same thing with, 
with all of the, these thoughts or feelings or, or hang-ups that we have, we have an opportunity when we notice that we're in that place. That's a huge gift. It's a, it's a moment of, of awakened awareness, really. And, bring, and then in that moment, we can then, we are as awake as we've ever been. Um, so it's, it's really important. They always say, like, gently bring yourself back to your breath. I'm say, I say that, gently bring yourself back to your breath. I'm saying gently because I don't want you to be hostile to yourself, beat yourself up over the fact that you weren't where you thought you might be, or, you know, sometimes you get competitive, or you're like an achiever, you really, I'm going to follow my breath, you're sort of over, overdoing it, really. It's not, it's not about being perfect, it's about practicing, bringing it back, bringing it back, bringing it back. And that way we train ourselves to be able to be more awake in our day to day. Okay, so we'll sit. Um, I'm starting the bell here. flat on the floor, hands in a comfortable position in your lap or on the armrests. Feel your seat supported, supporting you. You don't have to will yourself to be seated. your back supported by the chair, your feet underneath you, being held up by the earth. Notice the sounds in the room, outside the room, a little hum in the background. Throughout our session, you might hear each other moving around. There might be sounds in the hallway or outside. Just notice those as they come and then bring yourself back to your breath. Now you're gonna to start to notice your breath, bring your attention there. Tip of your nose. Feel the air coming in and out of there. If you can't breathe well through your nose, you can use your mouth. You can choose where you want to put your attention on. It could be the tip of your nose, back of your throat, rising and falling of your chest, or the expanding, contracting of your belly. But choose one of those, and that's where you'll keep your attention. <coughs> when you inevitably get pulled away, in whichever direction you're brain thinks you toward, you notice that's happening, just gently bring yourself back to your breath.
wherever you are, gently bring yourself to your breath.
deep breath. <coughs> Start to wiggle your fingers and your toes. You gently open your eyes and come back to the room if you feel ready. smile on your face. <laughs> um, so we have a few minutes for any questions. Um, yeah. When you talked about trying to <coughs> be with people that you want to emulate and not being with people that you don't like about how do you handle it when you don't have a choice of being around a person like that? Yeah, that's a hard <laughs> one. That's the difficulty. The difficulty of the question was, um, what happens when you don't have a choice of who you're around? Um, to have compassion, compassion for yourself and for them. That's all, that's all you can do in that. Have compassion for myself? Well, because it's difficult for you. If it's difficult for you and you're feeling the difficulty of that, right. then brings compassion to the difficulty you're feeling with that. And if you can, you know, I've found that most people <coughs> who are difficult or who are... Um, difficult for me to be around. It's not purposeful. Right. Um, it comes from, from wherever they come from. Try to spend some time thinking about um, how difficult it must be. Not in like a looking down upon them way, but in, in a way of how difficult it must be to live the life that they live so unaware of the impact they have around on the things, the people around them. Um, or they don't care. Or they don't care. Yeah, but don't care is usually a defense mechanism. Don't care is usually a defense mechanism. Don't care is usually, I really care a lot, and I'm going to pretend I don't care so that I don't have to care a lot about the things that bother me because I'm pretty sensitive. Um, it's my experience. Not the other person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, I just from one time, sorry. Sue. Sue asked that, so I'm just remembering back to what the, what he had originally said was to not talk to them as much as possible, as, you know, talk as little to them as you can. Mm -hmm. So even if you have to be around them, to just be wary of or careful about what we talk about with them how much we're talking to them. So even if we're around them, it doesn't mean that we have to be constantly engaging. Yeah, I think that's something that we can all work on in this next week. We can spend some time. Um, I don't know if I'm teaching next week exactly, but until I teach, it, teach again, um, to try to pay attention to the people in our lives and who we interact with and who we talk, spend our time interacting with, speaking to, how we can minimize the people who maybe ought to have less of a place in our lives and start to fill. So the way that the, the, uh, the Buddhist masters taught, they said, you know, notice the thing that you're doing that you don't like that you're doing or the thought you're having. Notice it. Try to uh, give it a little less space. And then once you notice that you're not having that because things change. Notice that you're, it's, you're not having it anymore. Notice the neutrality. And try to find something to fill it, something good to fill that space with. Um, so, so here, I think the, the same applies, is, is notice the, per, the people in your lives that are, are not as, as good for you. Try to minimize the interaction with them. Notice the gap and f that that leaves in your life, and then start to fill that gap with 
more of the people you like, more of the people that you want to end, to to you want to mimic their their energy. You want their energy to chef off on you. Um, right. So this principles this week are if we can spend time daily connecting, uh, pray. Even if it's just one blessing, that could be over your cup of tea. I think that's a good suggestion. Tea, coffee, whatever you do in the morning. Chocolate, I heard whispered. <laughs> could be, what's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> learn, learn something. Spend some time learning. Spend some, spend some time introspecting. Um, and then if you have these foreign thoughts, when you, when you have these foreign thoughts, really, um, notice where they come from. Um, and I just want to, I know we, we're at 8 o'clock right now, but if you'll let me just three minutes. Um, the good question that, that you, you gave earlier about whether you go back to your body or whether you go from your body to your, to your brain, it's, the point is that um, you have to start with the body. So if you have the body feeling, um, if you're in your mind and you're not in your body, we have, five, we have six senses according to the Buddhists. Um, that's sight, smell, hearing, touch, taste, and the sixth is your thoughts. Um, so your thoughts is a whole another sense, um, and that's affected by what's around you, just like all the rest of your senses. Um, the, if you're not grounded in your body, there's nowhere up to go. You can't go. You can't attach to your to your soul without having a mindful connection to your body. So it's got to start there. So if you're really bodily connected, that's a, that's great. Most people are not bodily connected, so you got to get from your mind down into your body, and have some compassion for that. And from that place, that's how you connect to your soul. That's how you could get a little bit closer to God, your your essence. In my understanding, um, yeah. So thanks very much, everybody who attended today, and. Happy to answer more questions. If you haven't signed up for Karen's list, um, there's some faces oh, yes. I don't know, which yeah. I'm thrilled. I send out a weekly email, so if you want to be on it, just give me your name and email. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>